Listen to my interview with Lisa. She's an expat from Canada living in France, founder of Wine, Women and Wellbeing, a community for women to become empowered and inspired. Tune in. Welcome to the Are We Home Yet podcast, where I talk to expats about what it's like living, working, making a home abroad. You'll get great information for your move abroad via this podcast. Also, go to the website, arewehomeyetpodcast.com, and subscribe to the blog for more helpful information to make your home abroad a success. I'm your host, Jalila Clark. Welcome to the show. All right, welcome back to the Are We Home Yet podcast. So today I have the pleasure of interviewing Lisa. Hi, Lisa, how are you? Hello, I'm wonderful. Thank you for having me. Okay, so where do you currently live and how long have you lived there? Kind of a loaded question. Well, I currently live in the south of France Mm -hmm. um, on the southwest side in the little city called Po. I have lived here since the summer. So sorry, this I don't know when this is going to air. So I've lived here for about probably about eight months. Mm -hmm. However... I previously have lived here for six years. So mm-hmm. my kids were born here. We're, we were here and then we left. And now we find ourselves back to the same spot again. Mm-hmm. Um, the first time I moved here, I was eight months pregnant with my first daughter, my first child. And I didn't speak French. And mm-hmm. so it's not Paris. It's not very touristy here. So that was a really big challenge for me because I didn't have a house. I didn't have a doctor. I couldn't speak French. I didn't know how anything worked. Mm -hmm. And so it was really, really challenging. Now, fast forward 10 years later, I moved here with my 10 and my Mm eight-year-old who are first language French. And we have lived here before. We knew where everything was. We know where to get the groceries. We know where the doctor is. Um, My French isn't perfect, but I can get by. And we're seasoned expats at this point. So we know that you need to get involved in the community and you need to learn the language and figure out how things work. So this transition was a lot easier for us than Mm -hmm. the first time we came here. The food is delicious. Mm -hmm. Um, It is like, don't come if you're keto or on any kind of diet program. Mm -hmm. Um, It's not going to work for you here because Mm -hmm. it's just like fresh bread and baguettes and croissants Mm -hmm. and like very the French are really passionate about their food so when you sit down for a meal you're you're in it for the long haul there's going to be a lot of food we're going to talk about the food Uh, Mm -hmm. they love to eat Mm -hmm. Um, um, and I mean I've grown to love the food and the cheese and the wine and the Mm -hmm. charcuterie all the things it's really good Um, the people are friendly I think that sometimes French people get a bad reputation and I think that often just comes from the experience of living or for people who travel to Paris mm-hmm. and they have this reputation that they don't like tourists, but you know what, after having lived in Paris myself, I can understand where that comes from because you have your daily routine and then all of a sudden April, May, June hits and you can't do anything. You can't get on the Metro. There's tourists everywhere. It's just a little bit frustrating. Mm-hmm. So even as a non-French person, I found that frustrating, but mm-hmm. the people here have been lovely. Um, they're very endearing. They're very appreciative of the fact that my French isn't perfect, but I'm trying. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, okay. Yeah, it's um, French people have been very good to me. Okay. And so, you know, so you've been there for, you know, just uh, eight months, you said, so, so where are you originally from? Originally, I am from Canada. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm from the English-speaking part of Canada. My 
husband is from the French speaking part of Canada. So the transition for him to come here was quite easy, seamless, really, because French is his first language. Mm-hmm. And um, he's worked with a French company for so long that all of the little the little differences between Canadian French and France French have kind of gone away for him. Mm-hmm. So um, he has no language barriers whatsoever. So that's pretty easy for him. We're originally from Canada, mm-hmm. um, which makes where we call home easy. Mm-hmm. However, our children were both born here in France, and then we moved to Indonesia, mm-hmm. and then we moved to the Congo, and mm-hmm. then we moved back to Canada, which felt like going home for us. Mm-hmm. But that was the first time it felt like another expat for our kids because they'd never lived in Canada before. They'd never lived in any country that spoke English before. Mm-hmm. So that was um, that was a neat experience. And we spent three years in Canada, although a year and a half of that, we were locked in our house because of COVID. Yeah. So we kind of didn't get the full, we didn't get the full deal of being back home. Um, and now after three years in Canada, we are back in France again. Okay. And so what, what was it like living in, in Indonesia and, and the Congo? What, what were those experiences like? Um, I feel like those were, they were very different. They, it was a different kind of expat. And I feel like if someone is listening to this, who's been an expat for 20 years, they probably know exactly what I mean. But if Mm -hmm. you've never lived overseas, um, there are different experiences of being an expat because there is, I moved to another country and I can live my life normally Mm -hmm. as I would in my own country. But the grocery stores are different and the houses look different. That's what we have right here in France. We just live our life how we would live it in Canada, mm-hmm. except for the differences are like things are, well, obviously things are different and they have their little quirks, but the language is different. The food is a little bit different. But when we went to Indonesia and we went to Congo, uh, we were living on compounds. So that was a completely different experience because you are living with, like for my husband, um, as an example, you're living with people that you work with Mm -hmm. because you're on a compound of the company that you work for. Mm -hmm. So Joe, who has an office beside you, also has a house beside you Mm -hmm. and also is at the pool beside you on the weekend. Mm -hmm. Um, So your life is very much inside of um, the space of the compound Mm -hmm. and not quite as much freedom to do what you want. The cultures are very different. Um, and I found, I found that you bonded closer with people because of that shared experience of living in, it's kind of like a surreal circumstance. It reminded me of, um, university dorms or like housing. Like if, Mm -hmm. if you were living on campus of the university, but you're married with children, (laughs) you know what I mean? Everyone's there. Everyone's having the same experience. You're away from home. Everyone's away from home. Mm-hmm. Whereas here in France, I'm the only one away from home on my street. Like my neighbors are all French. And when we were away on compounds, my neighbors were all away from home. So we depended on each other mm-hmm. in a different way than you would. So you bonded in that way. Like if something happens, we know that, well, no one has a support system here. So you become each other's support system. Whereas when you're on an expat um, in another country where you're living your life a little bit more, like, I don't know if normally is the right word to say, but you have to seek out those people yourself to build those communities. Um, and it's kind of ready-made for you when you're on a compound or on, in a situation like that. Okay. Does that make and sense? So, yeah, definitely.
Let's take a quick break. I'm glad you're enjoying the show. Want to make your move abroad as smooth as possible? Download the ebook from the Are We Home Yet podcast.com website for resources in making a home abroad. Unsure how to make money while living abroad? Download the free teaching online PDF with more than 20 online companies looking for people to teach various languages and different subjects. Download these two great items and make your move abroad a reality. Okay, back to the show. The local people, both in Indonesia and Congo,、um, were very warm to us, very,、uh, we were obviously in both places, visible minorities, so we'd get a lot of attention. I had Uh, babies at that time with like blonde, blonde, blonde hair. And the Indonesian people would just love up my babies. They would want to kiss my babies. They would want to hug my babies. They considered her like a, almost like a little good luck charm. Like she, I would have to like keep her close to me because if we went to the market,、um, and it wasn't in a, in a bad way, it was like a very,、um, they were just so happy to see her that it could almost sometimes get overwhelming. And you would think that that was the same experience in Congo, but it was a little, they're a little bit more standoffish just culturally,、mm-hmm. um, but also very kind. We had, because of the way the culture works of living on a compound, you're kind of expected to、um, pay it forward, so to speak, and employ some of the local people. And so we had some help in our house. And so we had an Indonesian lady who was. Living with us, and or actually, she didn't live with us. We had like a little side area of our house,、um, but she would cook for us,、mm-hmm. and that was delicious. It was, it's funny because she would say, What do you like? She used to work for her French family, so she was always making French food because she thought that's what we wanted. Because forever since she's worked, she's worked for French families, so they taught her how to make quiche and all these French dishes. Well, my husband hates quiche actually, and he's like, Can she stop making us quiche? Can you just tell her we don't like quiche?、Mm-hmm. Um, I was like, Well, I kind of don't mind it. So we said, like Why don't you make us some Indonesian food? And so she would make us like nasi goreng, which is like a chicken and rice dish, and it was really good. And we all Always had like lots of fresh fruit when we lived there. We had a mango tree in our yard. The fruit was just phenomenal.、Mm. Um, and then I am from Ukrainian Canadian descent. And so in Canada, we have v e r i k i or pierogies, I say in English.、Mm-hmm. And so it's like the Ukrainian dumpling with potato and cheese. And、mm-hmm. so I actually FaceTimed my mom into the kitchen one day. And via FaceTime, my mom taught her how to make pierogies.、Mm-hmm. And so then she learned how to make that for us. And so it was kind of a really neat mix of cultures because she knew French cooking. So she would do some of that. And then she had her own cooking. And then we taught her, like I taught her how to make peanut butter cookies and chocolate chip cookies, which is she'd never worked for a North American family or worked with a North American family before. So that's not something that was in her repertoire. But then after, like my kids thought it was great because I'm not a big baker. But for that point in their life, there was always constantly homemade cookies in the kitchen. It was, it was really great. So、mm-hmm. we taught her a little bit of North American.、Um, we had a little bit of Indonesian food. And,、um, and again, when we lived in Congo, because、mm-hmm. of the French influence in Congo,、mm-hmm. Um, there were quite a few French restaurants because、um, there was a lot of French people who were there still.、Mm-hmm. And, um, and then we had some local food, not as much local food in Congo.、Uh, 
Um, but if the experiences, I think sometimes what we have to remember is at the time, it's hard to appreciate things mm -hmm. because you're living through the challenge of actually being in that moment. And it's not always easy. Um, there's obviously challenges that come with being so far away from home. However, in hindsight, when you're looking back, well, I always think like, wow, that was a really cool time. You know, so it sounds like you guys moved around due to your husband's career. So what, what was that conversation like? Well, always different, always interesting, mm -hmm. never a dull moment. Um, we, the conversation changes because sometimes it, like in the past, it, we used to just get told where mm -hmm. we were going to go, mm -hmm. which is like, oh God, we were living in France and we were told we were going to Indonesia. Mm -hmm. Um, and then we were told we were actually from Indonesia. We were supposed to go to Abu Dhabi and we were really excited about that, but then that fell through. So at the last minute, then it got changed to Congo. So, um, like I love being in the middle East. I love the mm -hmm. culture. I love the weather. I think it's beautiful. Um, so that that's, I had my mind wrapped around Abu Dhabi. Mm -hmm. And then in a very quick shift, I had to wrap my mind that I was moving to Congo. Mm -hmm. I didn't know what the Congo looked like. I knew what Abu Dhabi looked like. I had been there. Mm -hmm. um, aside from Morocco, I had never stepped foot on the continent of Africa. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't know what to expect. Yeah. And so that can be a lot. That can be a lot for your family to process. It's really far from home. Um, mm -hmm. It's a continent my family didn't know anything about until I lived there. Mm -hmm. But again, um, by, by doing these experiences, we open up everyone's eyes. Yeah. Friends come and visit me in the Congo, actually. Um, so what industry does your husband work in and, you know, like how much notice do you guys get before, you know, you're, you're told to like, Hey, you know, this is, this is going to be the new place where you're living. Um, so he is a petroleum geologist. Well, then he was a petroleum geologist. He's transitioning. He's working for the same company. So he's in a uh, French oil and gas company and this company is good in the sense that they move families in the summer, almost without exception. So we always know, oh, this might be a moving year. And then those conversations start talk, start happening usually like February, March. The conversation starts happening. You don't often know. So you know you're moving, but you don't often know for sure, for sure where mm -hmm. until probably May for a summer move. Okay. And I mean, that's a lot to wrap your mind around, but once you get used to it, it's okay. And we have friends who are with other companies that move during the week with two weeks no or during the school year, sorry, with two weeks notice or something crazy like that. Mm -hmm. So we are, we feel very thankful that it's just the summer, although mm -hmm. things have changed now and this past move, um, you're able to apply for countries that you want to move to. Mm -hmm. So this move back to France was kind of a strategic move for us because um, our kids are getting a little bit older and we knew that it would be an easy transition for them. Okay. So coming back to France, instead of going to a brand new country that the kids have never been in, we just thought like, we have just been through a global pandemic. Let's mm -hmm. kind of make this easy on everyone. Mm -hmm. And so the jobs that he applied to were all Europe-based. Okay. And so you guys have lived in several countries. Your, your kids were born in France. So like, I mean, but what do you miss though about your original homeland? My language. <laughs> That's easy, easy, hands down. Okay. I, I am an extrovert. 
Mm-hmm. I love chatting to people. I love like knowing what happened this morning with the lady who's checking through my groceries at the grocery store. And I mean, I can still do that in French, mm-hmm. but not with the ease that I can do it in my first language. And I think that anyone who lives in another country that speaks a language different than their own, mm-hmm. I feel like probably anyone feels like that. Yeah. Um, I feel really proud of the French that I've learned. It's not perfect, mm-hmm. um, but everything is relative. Like sometimes here I get down on myself and then I go away to another country where I really can't speak the language and I come back to France and I'm like, oh God, thank God I can speak French again. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas when I'm in Canada and I'm just chatting to everyone that I see uh, and then I come back to France, I'm like, oh, right, I have to speak French. And it's a little bit harder. Um, so for me, it's definitely the language that I miss the most. And of course, family, friends, relationships. Um, mm-hmm. But that all is encompassed in my language because it's just a natural, right? Yeah. Yeah. So you mentioned that, um, you know, you guys, um, you know, get this notice that, Hey, you're told you need to go to this place. So, and then you've gone to several different countries. So, you know, even though you mentioned that you're an extrovert, like, I mean, what, what are the ways that like you make friends and then also make sure that your children are making friends as well? That's a great question. So uh, it took me a really long time to learn this. And I've actually, Mm -hmm. I've actually built a whole business around it without meaning to, Mm -hmm. but um, some of the countries that we lived in, like you would meet friends at your kid's school gate, or you would meet friends at baby group or play group. That's how I used to meet friends. Um, Before I had kids, I would join running groups. I was always just seeking out things that I could join. Uh, before I had kids, I joined a yoga teacher training, not because I wanted to learn to become a yoga teacher. I just felt like I needed to be involved in something. Mm -hmm. So I learned to love yoga and became a yoga teacher just to become part of a community. Mm -hmm. Now, when I lived in Indonesia and the Congo, there were ladies organizations that were already in place to help facilitate that for expats because we were all living abroad. And the need was there, right? For my kids, I think it's always school activities. Again, on the compound, it was easier for them because they lived with all the kids that they went to school with. So at playtime, it was like recess outside all the time. So there was tons of kids on the compound. So that was really easy for them. Now they meet friends at school. They meet friends of the children who we make friends with. Um, so they have a a couple of different options and then they have activities. So they're always making friends at their activities that they do. Um, and so when I went back to Canada, I realized the power of community and how important it is. Mm -hmm. So I actually started holding those ladies nights, Mm -hmm. um, like nights out for women that I experienced when I was living on these compounds. And so, um, it really started to fly in Canada um, because I feel like, yes, it was being an expat that taught me that that was important. Mm -hmm. But I, I also realized that that's important for anyone, no matter where you are, we need community. We need women who support us. And so, um, so I started building events for like monthly events for women that anyone could go to. Mm -hmm. Um, And so when I came, so that turned into 25 brands 
branches um, of these community building events for women in Canada. Mm -hmm. And so when I came back to France this time, I thought, well, I'm just going to build a branch here with me, um, exactly what I did in Canada, and I will do that here in France. And so then I will have the community that I'm looking for. And so that has happened here, which is great. But it's called Wine Women, <laughs> Wine Women Wellbeing, because I literally just thought of things that I love. I love getting together with women for a glass of wine and learning something. So it was wine, women, well-being. Um, and I started with one event in the city that I was living in, in Canada, mm-hmm. in Calgary. And that one event turned into like a branch, we'll say. So that could, because we had monthly events continually. Mm-hmm. And then that grew to 25 different cities across Canada, which is pretty amazing because Canada is a big place. And we have now gone coast to coast in Canada, which is incredible. And um, basically, yeah, we, I have, um, I guess you could say, well, I call them directors or ambassadors mm-hmm. who hold these events. And so there's um, one or two women in charge in every city and they organize events for women where they can come and meet other women and everyone is invited. You don't have to be like, cause there was a lot of groups that this group is for moms and this group is for runners and this group is for entrepreneurs. And this group is for people who like to sew. This was just, it is for any woman who wants to get out and meet new people and be inspired and make new friends and grow their network for their community. Mm-hmm. And so that's what my business is. And it's still running now from Canada. Mm -hmm. Uh, Well, I'm here in France, which is pretty incredible. What's your day to day like at work? And then honestly, like, you know, like how, how do you find the the downtime really? Mm, I thrive in the crazy. I will be the first (laughs) one to admit that. Mm -hmm. And I, I feel like I'm at the end of a campaign trail right now, because for the last two years, we've been building these giant, like celebrity tours on top of our monthly events. bringing in talent from the States to do like professional speakers like Elizabeth Gilbert and Caitlin Bristow. And then we have like some Canadian people um, who are also joining us. So we have these giant, large, large scale events happening right now in Mm -hmm. Canada. Mm -hmm. So my balance at this exact moment that we are speaking is not very good. (laughs) I will say that. Okay. Um, normally like in like the first six months that we moved here, Mm -hmm. the branches are quite easy to manage because I have girls on the ground who are organizing that and we can do what we need to do together online. But the larger scale events are, are a little bit time consuming. So I do have, um, I do my emails and like all the connecting that I can do that doesn't need to be face to face. I do that during the day. Mm -hmm. Um, But I do have now, because I used to be a full-time teacher when we were in Canada. So I was working during the day and then I built Wine, Women and Wellbeing at night in my free time. Mm -hmm. And then for a really long time, I was doing, well, for two years, two and a half years, I was doing both. And so now I have the freedom that I don't have to teach during the day. So during the day, I could do my exercise. I can bring the kids to school. I can pick the kids up from school. I have freedom that... flexibility that teaching didn't offer me. However, the downside is that I run a company that is mostly eight hours, sometimes nine hours, Mm -hmm. um, time zones, nine time zones away. Mm -hmm. So there are, again, if it wasn't for the large scale tours, it wouldn't be a problem. But with these large scale events we have happening, I oftentimes have 
um, Zoom meetings in the evening because that's daytime in Canada. However, one, possibly the only gift pandemic has given us um, is that having a Zoom call now is a very normal thing, even if you're in the same city as someone. So I don't know that I would have been able to organize such large events being on the other side of the world because people used to think like, oh, let's meet for lunch or can you come into my office? But now it's perfectly acceptable to say some to someone like, let's schedule a Zoom. Mm-hmm. And that works for me. Mm-hmm. It's just my time zones are a little bit tricky. You know, how do you make sure that like you are able to spend that quality of time with your family because your day to day with your business sounds very busy. So so how how do you how do you schedule that quality time? Like what what do you need to do to do that? Um, I need to be more organized than I am, but, um, France actually forces me into it in a, in a loving way. I say that Mm -hmm. because in France, every six weeks, Mm. the kids have two weeks off school. Oh, okay. And then plus the summer off. So for us, we like to take advantage of our geographical location. And so every six weeks, I spend two full weeks with my kids, which that would never happen in Canada. Mm-hmm. So that's where we get a lot of extra family time in. And we usually travel during that time. So we're having experiences. And so we spend a lot of time. That's our, that's our thing. Clearly if it's, we're expats is we love to travel. We love to experience new country, new food, new culture. And so every six weeks, we have two weeks of family time and then I kind of give her spoons for the next six weeks and get as much done as I can, knowing that I'm going to have to kind of take a giant step back for two weeks mm-hmm. while I'm with my kids and husband. Mm-hmm. Um, so that kind of forces it. And then on, on the day to day, I feel like anyone who lives with an entrepreneur knows that it's a little bit crazy. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't think from what I hear, it's not crazy forever but there is a period of time where there is a lot of sweat equity. And um, my husband has seen how hard I have worked over the last three years to build to where I am now. And he's very supportive of that. So you know what? The reality of it is sometimes I have to miss bedtime because I have a meeting. So Mm -hmm. I just do my goodnight kisses um, an hour before bedtime. And then they spend time with their dad and then I'll run upstairs and kiss them goodnight. Um, We just, we make it work. Um, there are some sacrifices, but like anything, if we were at home, I would be working full-time and working at night. And there's, I don't think either situation is easy or ideal, but we just make the most of where we're at. Okay. You know, what would you say then are the struggles and the joys of being an expat? Um, the struggles is being so far from home Mm -hmm. when something doesn't go right. If there's like someone in your family is sick, it is so much harder when you are far away, um, either because you can't be there or you have to make arrangements to go to the other side of the world at in short notice. Um, there are weddings. We've had to miss weddings and funerals because we literally lived on the other side of the world. Like those are really hard, heavy things to navigate. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the upside is, well, I feel like we've given our kids an experience of the world that I didn't even know existed mm-hmm. when I was young. And I had, a, I had a very good upbringing and a good life, but my kids just have a whole 
different experience on life than what I have. Like before the age, before grade two, my daughter had gone to school on four different continents. Um, (laughs) That is an experience that money cannot buy. You can't learn it in a book. You can't learn it from, I feel like I'm fairly well educated. I have multiple university degrees and I feel like I have learned more from being an expat Mm -hmm. than I have in all the money I've spent going to university and all the degrees that I have. There's just something that being a global citizen teaches you that you can't get it Mm -hmm. unless you've lived it. Mm -hmm. So there's just a richness in culture in understanding in meeting people from different places and knowing about their experiences firsthand that is, you can't put a price tag on that. It's unbelievable. Mm-hmm. I mean, at some point, you know, will the company say, oh, well, um, you know, um, uh, you're going to live like in another place and like France won't be the home base anymore. Like, is that possible? And then, oh, yes. Okay. And then, <laughs> that's like- a really loaded, loaded <laughs> discussion in our house because there comes okay. a point where we don't want to move around forever and we don't yeah. want to move teenagers around the world forever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, that is just kind of, there's going to come a time where we need to make a decision. Our kids did always consider France to be home mm-hmm. until they lived in Canada and realized, oh, you mean our cousins don't just get together when we're home for the summer. They're mm-hmm. getting together all the time. Oh, um, and yeah. so this is the first move where they've really seen, like, I feel like now they feel like they have two homes. Mm-hmm. Whereas before Canada was our home and France was their home. Mm-hmm. And now I feel like they kind of feel like us. Now we all have a foot in each country. So at some point we're going to have to make the decision. I think, um, adolescence is going to force us into that. We're a little bit away from that, thankfully. So we've got a few years before we have to worry about it too much. Okay. All right. And so, you know, kind of like continuing that same line of thought, and this really will be like the last question, Um, you know, so then what's your definition of home then? You know, you've mentioned several continents and, you know, you've created a business abroad and a business where you came from. So, you know, there's lots of moving parts. So, so what's your definition of home? Do you know what? I think that is such a hard question for someone who really considers themselves to be a global citizen Mm -hmm. at this point. Um, Because, home is Canada for me. Home will always be Canada. There's just something about when I go there. Mm -hmm. However, I get that feeling when I come back to France after not having been in France for three years, when I was in Canada, when we got back here, like my heart just went, Oh, it's good to be back. Mm -hmm. Now, having said that my heart does that when I go back to Canada now as well. Mm -hmm. So it, I feel like really if you put your mind to it and if the right pieces are in place, you can make home wherever you need to make home. Mm -hmm. Um, Because we're in a world now where you can get to different places. Like for example, I'm talked about running this business. I am flying back to Canada for the big events that we have. Like never in my life did I think that I would go back and forth to Europe multiple times in one year. Like Mm -hmm. I have um, a grandmother who was a Ukrainian immigrant to Canada and she never went back to Ukraine. She left and never went Mm -hmm. back. And -hmm. now if she knew that I was going back and forth from Europe to Canada, like four or five times a year, (laughs) she would think that that would just blow her mind. Like that would be crazy talk. So Mm -hmm. 
the world we live in, and of course, we're coming from a place of privilege where we can afford and we've built a life to be able to do that. But that's also our choices because we could have stayed home in Canada, but that might mean that my husband wouldn't have a job. And no, we most definitely would not be going back and forth to Europe five times in one year. But because of the sacrifice we've made in moving abroad, that comes with, okay, you have a job, but for my job to be successful, I need to be able to do this. And one kind of accommodates the other. So I feel like we live in a world now where we can do things Mm -hmm. to set up home wherever we need to set up home. And if you have the right people who you love and you put the pieces in place that you need, whether you learn the language or you build yourself a community or you find people that you can depend on. For me, it's those relationships that make places feel like home, not the geographical location. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. All right. Well, that's going to be it for today. And I want to thank all my listeners for tuning into the Are We Home Yet podcast. And especially thank you, Lisa, for taking the time. Really, I really appreciate it. Taking the time, you know, away from your busy schedule to be interviewed by me on this podcast, Are We Home Yet? A podcast where expats talk about what it's like living abroad and, you know, hopefully along the way, inspire other people to go out there and find something new, something different, something interesting, something something unexpected in another country, another, um, yeah, another, another continent, another whole continent. (laughs) Um, So uh, I hope that everyone has a great day. Have a great day, Lisa. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Bye. Tune in to my next interview with Rosemary, an interesting expat experience. She was born in Germany, grew up in Belgium, in 2013 moved to Ghana for work, then returned back to Belgium with a husband and a child. She's creator of She Tribe, a community for women of color. I'm so excited. Tune in. I'm glad you enjoyed the show. Remember to hit subscribe on your podcast player and also leave a great review and rating of this podcast as well. I'm Jalila Clark. See you next time.